Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week, the rat is the cook. Hello. Hi. Here we are. Yes. <laughs> I'm Robbie. And I'm Micah. And together, we are Recently Logged, a, a film podcast. Sometimes. If you can even believe it sometimes. <laughs> our, past, our past two episodes have been about films, but not a specific film. Which changes this week, Micah. What are we talking about, Ray? We're talking about our first uh, film of season five. We wanted to go with something, a, a classic, a, a classic. personal favorite, if a you will. personal favorite, if you will. Yeah. Um, we're talking about uh, Ratatouille. 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 It's, it's gained uh, a pretty good following in recent years. Um, you know, online reviewing sites, uh, basically everyone from our generation, like... Uh, millennials, even Gen Z, seems to love this movie. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's a very, very, it was very popular, very highly acclaimed. Too, yeah, really. I mean, it's from one of the most <laughs> uh, like popular and high, highly rated uh, animation studios in America. So it and makes one sense. Of the I most successful. I was about directors. to say one of the most successful directors. Or I would argue one of the best directors uh, well. in. In animation, his recent track record. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but let's let's tell the people what they need to know about uh, Ratatouille. What do they need to know? Ratatouille is a 2007 movie. There will be blood in the same year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rated G, uh, which is crazy. That is a little crazy. Like, not, not even that it's, it's just a scary like, movie. No, no, no. Not, not just that it's rated G, <laughs> but there's like zero G-rated movies that come out, you know? That's very true. Nowadays, there's, there's almost never a G rating attached to a movie. That's pretty crazy. Uh, it is an hour and 51 minutes. So nice. IMDb description is a rat mm -hmm. who can cook makes an unusual alliance <laughs> with a young kitchen worker at a famous Paris restaurant. Yes. As we've spoiled uh, partially in the <laughs> intro of this episode, <laughs> the rat is the cook. Uh, it won Best Am Animated Feature Film at the Oscars. As it should. It was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay, As Best Music and Emotion Picture, Best yes. Achievement in Sound Mixing, yes. and Best Achievement in Sound Editing. Normally, I at least scratch my head at one like awards nomination for a movie, but like honestly, it kind of deserves all of them. <laughs> uh, Can't even be upset. It's cast, it's, it's cast features Brad Garrett, very nice, Lou Romano, Patton Oswalt, Love Lou Romano, Ian Holm, <laughs> Brian, Ian Holm, Denny, Peter Son, and very cool, and others, very cool. Others are there. <laughs> Others uh, are present directed also. by Brad Bird. Yeah, co-directed by Jan Pinkova. Pinkova. Oh, I did not know this had a co-director. Uh, yeah, Jan is probably an animation director. Pinkova, I would assume is how you would pronounce that, but I could, I, I could be wrong. Original story by uh, Jan Pinkova and Jim Capo. Bianco, I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, screen uh, screenplay by Brad Bird and story by Brad Bird. Interesting. So w was this based off of like a book or something? I don't know. No, no, no. I don't okay. think so. So it's just two guys came up with the story, and Brad Bird's like, "Hey, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I should make a movie." <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's usually a writing team. I know, for I know. I just, it, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> well, typically, um, 
like if a director is writing the screenplay, you'll see like even if it's just partially, you'll see like the original authors of whatever they're using uh, in the screenplay team, um, like yeah, in the see, writing yeah, room. See both the other writers; they're just Pixar writers. Oh, okay, okay. Well, not just Pixar writers. Like, I mean, yeah, they've. I mean, they've only worked with Pixar. They're Pixar. But I'm sure they're very talented writers outside of that. I see on on Letterboxd. <laughs> I take that back because there are five writers credited on Letterboxd. Okay, okay. We have Emily Cook, who helped write Nomeo and Juliet and <laughs> Sherlock Gnomes. Hey, both of and them. And Kathy Greenberg, okay. who also helped write Nomeo and Juliet and All right. Sherlock Gnomes. They brought they brought some of that Sherlock Gnomes heat was, to the Ratatouille was... screenplay. <laughs> I guess that's six writers, dang, because we also have Bob Peterson. But, you know, Pixar writing teams are always big. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's an animated film. They're, they go into production and uh, pre-production very differently than regular features. Yeah, the the score, Remy, do you know who did the, the score? score? Um, Yes, I do, Micah, because <laughs> it happens to be the entry in one of the greatest film composers currently working, uh, Michael Giacchino. <laughs> And it is, uh, the cinematography is by Robert Anderson and Robert Sharon Anderson. Cullen. Oh, cool. Co- co-cinematographers. Co-cinematographers. Again, probably not that uncommon on animated films. I was about to say, for an animated film, it's quite a bit different than a lot of, like, other films. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't, I don't usually see co-cinematographers. I've only seen that, like, once in live action. Um, but I guess it's probably pretty common in animation. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's... Uh, that's all you need to know. That's the 2007 film Ratatouille. There was later, uh... A- an adaptation of the story <laughs> that was hosted on the internet, uh, which I, I don't know. I, I hadn't run this by Micah yet, but I thought maybe we could do a little blurb about it at the end. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Nobody's thinking about it. Nobody's thinking about it. Nobody okay. needs to hear that. <laughs> Not a single person cares. Maybe we'll leave it shrouded in mystery. <laughs> no, I did. I did a video on it on my YouTube channel. Oh, you? you should go, oh, yeah, you should go check right. that out. Um, yeah, it's called it's called Ratatouille, uh, the TikTok musical. Yeah, and it's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're gonna talk more about Ratatouille. Let's do that. That was an excerpt from Michael Giacchino's uh, masterwork of a score for Ratatouille. Oh my god. Uh, well, here we are. We're, fun, we're here to talk about Ratatouille. Fun fact for the listeners, uh, and I don't, I don't know if I ever, if I've ever talked about this in the podcast. I feel like I might have, uh, but this used to be my my all time favorite movie. You know, not a bad, not a bad pick. I feel like still, I feel like you have a, mentioned it. It's still one of my favorites. I don't know um, overall, um, but this used this used to be my number one. It used to be number one. Um, this was the movie that like first really <laughs> connected to me in a way that like. <laughs> You know, movies hadn't really back when I watched this for the first time. Well, for the first time, like when you were a kid. Yeah. Oh, dang. And then that <laughs> that love for it grew and grew, and it just so happens to also be like the best Pixar movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I was about to say. <laughs> good thing that didn't happen with like, I don't know, 
Monsters Inc. or Inside Whoa. Out or something. Hold on know. now. Let's 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 hold on. I thought you were gonna say like an actually bad. Pixar <laughs> I can't version. think of any right now. Um, yeah, that's true. Like of the Pixar stuff we watched when we were younger. I'm trying to think. Of there's there's Pixar. plenty. There's plenty oh, of like, like newer, yeah, like a Bug's Life. Or oh, something. Bug's Life. Yeah, that's true. Trash. That would be kind of a lame, a lame favorite. I'd be like, oh, I love a Bug's Life. A Bug's Life first Terrible inspired movie. my love for cinema. <laughs> I mean, more power to you if it did. But yeah, see, all my all my I least favorite Pixar movies are pretty new. Yeah, they're pretty recent, except for except for Bugs. Bugs Life. We grew up. We grew up on Cars too, though. Yeah, we might have watched it more than the first one. No, I, I well, see, I don't like the first one either. And, and growing up, I kind of liked the second one. It's true because because of Michael Giacchino's no, score. Because I did I did the little spy thing. Like I played little spy games with well, yeah. my cars. I mean, you gotta love it. Young, so I was like, oh, they're just doing what I did and. And I didn't realize it's kind of a dumpster fire. <laughs> it's it's a joke of a film, really, honestly. Um, but we're not talking about that film. We're talking about Ratatouille, which happens Ratatouille. to be not a dumpster fire of a film. In fact, some might say it's a, uh, a, a five-course gourmet meal of a mill. A mill? Meal. A mill? <laughs> a meal? A meal? <laughs> it's a layered reference, Mike. <laughs> so, Ruby, if you were to give some some brief thoughts on Ratatouille, what would you what would you say about brief Ratatouille? Brief thoughts on Ratatouille. Um, I love the score, obviously. <laughs> um, I think it's probably Brad Bird's best movie. It's it's a stretch to say that because he's got so many great ones packed under his belt at this point. Um, the he's, Iron, got, he's got three great ones. I was about to say, The Iron four. Giant is phenomenal. Um, the Incredibles is like probably one the of the second best. The second best, <laughs> the second best uh, 3D animated movie, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, I mean, both of them are great, but I would argue that this is probably his most sophisticated um, and probably his most... Uh, I don't know how to describe Ratatouille, really. <laughs> Micah has zoomed in on a picture of Brad Bird. And it's unnerving. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It, Ratatouille is a great movie. It's very well shot, I will say. I'm I'm really surprised given, like how they had to shoot like the 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 visual things required of this movie they shoot it surprisingly the cam- well like the the fake camera movement fake of camera the movie movement. are very like very consistent the lens really choices nice. micah they're doing like a a dolly pole thing in this i was about to say <laughs> there, there's a lot of like actual like in scene very yeah i was about to say this. very sophisticated very intentional camera movement that really works um it's got a brilliant screenplay like i said i think it deserves uh definitely the nomination for best original screenplay um maybe even the win <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's a fantastic movie it's got um a really nice message Reeve, it's got Reeve. a great cast i love it Ruby, you know what you know what you're saying though what um when you say that you think it deserved the win you're saying for best a original. screen original screenplay than like no country for old men isn't that based on a book is it I thought it was because I know there will be, Could be wrong. Is. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the original screenplay. Because Zodiac's so based good, on a book too, right? There's so many uh, technically. Yeah. there's so many good movies from 2007. <laughs> there are. I was about to say 2007 is a great year for sunshine. film. Uh, people oh, don't like sunshine. people don't like sunshine. We did a whole episode Lame. on sunshine. Uh, but what did sunshine. you would you rate Ratatouille? What did I rate Ratatouille? Um, I rated Ratatouille. Uh, I think nearly every time I've logged it, I either gave it a four and a half or a five. But I I have officially ra- landed on a uh, five. 
out of five rating. It's very nice, good. Nice. What do you think of Ratatouille, Mike? What do I think of Ratatouille? I think Ratatouille is a freaking masterpiece. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Um, I think it really, really balances its characters and its tone and its pacing and everything brilliantly mm. while also having yeah. what I think is honestly the best prese- like presentation of filmmaking like class essentially <laughs> of Pixar. I genuinely think that this is the yeah the most classy and well like overall well directed and well cinematography and everything. All, all of the the visual <laughs> elements of that make a movie yeah. are just fantastic in this movie. You know, what? So I would argue movie. I would argue that the only thing that really comes close is like Turning Red, which is kind of a weird <laughs> comparison, but that's a, another really well like visualized movie yeah um i think remy is an amazingly interesting protagonist to follow along yes i think the story is funny i think it's engaging <laughs> i think it's like endlessly rewatchable i think uh, i don't i don't know i think its message is good what what is what is there to say i think i think ratatouille is, <laughs> is a pretty darn perfect movie it's funny because um, I think most people who have never seen Ratatouille, which is a, a very small amount of people nowadays, <laughs> given the whole uh, cultural resurgence a couple of years ago, and like, you know, again, Pixar being a Cult- very popular quote unquote, studio. cultural resurgence. Frillis <laughs> just put out a video. Yeah, that's, that's true. Frillis, that yeah. I was talking more of the TikTok thing. Um, but yeah, that, that, well, that, that was, too. That wasn't people even falling in love with Ratatouille. Right? That was just a, an ongoing joke. It was. It was a bit that went too far it was a bit that went too far they, they did a comedic bit too close to the sun <laughs> exactly um but yeah it's uh what was i gonna say something about ratatouille <laughs> uh it's a very good movie and uh oh right if people hadn't watched it by now they should go watch it because it's very good <laughs> wow amazing i don't think that I wasn't thought, what i was gonna no, say you were like you were saying something about like people who haven't watched the film people who haven't watched oh right right, right. uh it was gonna be about the uh, about the premise micah because most people who haven't seen this uh kind of uh usually scoff a little when you tell them the premise well, of the it's movie. a goofy premise it is a goofy premise and we keep talking about it like it's the most sophisticated uh thing on the planet i just said it has sophisticated <laughs> filmmaking yes exactly um and i would agree oh. i just i just thought it was funny <laughs> the rat he he's the cook the right? rat is the cook exactly <laughs> got your toe. that's such a good beat when when skitter's up on the roof <laughs> he's like the rat is the cook <laughs> it's very it good makes me, it makes me want to see the rat everywhere oh, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh should i be worried about this about you <laughs> we didn't even mention it's like probably like the second or third funniest pixar film no that's that's a given man this thing is hilarious <laughs> so funny uh, dude. let's let's get a little bit more into like questions and yeah, stuff yeah uh, what, what's your favorite scene or sequence in ratatouille oh my goodness there's so many good right? ones this, i was thinking about this uh, beforehand oh my gosh i mean <sighs> I feel like you'd be amiss to not say the final, like, dinner rush. Oh, like, dang, that's what I was going to probably like, go with. It's it's the culmination of not only the <laughs> plot, but also, like, all of the, the score comes together. The you score get, like, is the final so good. Suite. You get uh, the most, like, vital and uh, live camera work of the entire movie. You and get, you get Appetite. I was about to say. He's got a big ego. <laughs> appetite, and he's got a big ego. Like, literally the last... 
I don't know. I mean, the whole movie is fantastic, but literally the last like 20 minutes or so of this are phenomenal. What makes this movie work so, (laughs) so freaking well is essentially the fact that it has such a good like finale for everything. It's got such a satisfying culmination of all of the screenplay screenplay elements pulled into just like a really fantastically shot and scored sequence. Absolutely. It's 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 the culmination of all the groundwork that <laughs> all the uh, very hardworking filmmakers <laughs> had been setting down this whole movie. And it's it's fantastic. But man, I also I also just want to shout out to like that montage uh, <laughs> of like when like Colette and Linguini are just kind of like live and lie, like just that entire like kind of down period from when Remy is like helping Linguini become a big chef. <laughs> And like life's going well for old Linguini. <laughs> life's going pretty good for old that's Linguini. A really, that's a really fun montage. <laughs> you know, I was actually it made me think about it. Um, like right before the final like rise to the finale, there's this weird like downbeat with uh, <laughs> with Colette and uh, Linguini with like the interview and everything, like the Gusto <laughs> legacy. Like it's I don't know that that beat has always struck me as very. Um, just kind of odd in the mix of the film. Like I get why it's there. Obviously. I don't know. What you, I, I don't know what you mean. But I just I always that's, think that's continuing the progression of Remy getting his ego hurt. <laughs> no, right? I know. I get. I get that. But it always just feels so weird because like I, I'm like, is whenever we get to that point in the movie, I'm like, it feels like nothing is happening right now. And then ego bursts into the room, and I'm like, oh. What do you mean it feels like? There's conflict. I'm so confused what you're talking about about this scene. It's just, I don't know. That's always been a strange scene in my mind. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know why. Stuck I think with it's me. Funny. I think it's no, a good shot. It's a good. It's a good and scene. I think it's short. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. That, yeah. No. No. Rubby. It doesn't. No. I'm saying it doesn't like. <laughs> I'm saying it, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I would just I was just You know what out. else is a good scene, guys? <laughs> that that chase scene with Skinner. Oh, that's see, a cool that's scene. That's a great scene. That's a great sequence, man. Again, really well shot. I love the way this movie is shot. It's so wild to me that like <laughs> it, the the cinematographers were tasked with getting like an intense visual clarity when most of the time the subjects within a shot uh, one tiny. of them, I was about to say, one is like really small and the other one's like 10 times bigger. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, the fact that they shot this so the well, blocking. And you've got Linguini yeah. and Remy and consistently like in frame together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty impressive because Remy, Remy's a tiny boy. He's a small boy. <laughs> what can you say? Um, yeah, do you have a, do you have a question? Oh, uh, sure. Um, what do you think? I mean, this is pretty much like the heart of the movie essentially what do you what do you think of ego's character like uh, he's not really a major part of the movie until the last little bit i mean obviously he's there but he's a major part thematic thematically it's true I, which is why i was going to ask what you thought of his character and its uh, execution in the movie i think i think it's a part i, I would change nothing about ego like like he's just <laughs> yeah, it, it's used in such an effective way because he's a because he's a critic and such a big critic you could use him in a way that he doesn't really have to be introduced more than a name drop before mm-hmm. he's got that kind of intimidating yep. presence of the fact that he was he was the, the one who took away one of one of their stars, man. I love how they're like he killed Gusto, bro. He killed Gusto. <laughs> he gave up a bad review, and then Gusto died. <laughs> um, so you get this like really interesting kind of setup of him as like this almost just villain character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, yeah, like, and all of his introduction and scene interactions, he's got such an interesting point of view <laughs> that he brings to like 
the art of food. Yeah, exactly. Um, which then, you know, gets shattered in a really unique way. Um, yeah, no, ego's always been one of the most fascinating parts of this whole movie for me. Um, like, for, for many reasons. Uh, but I really appreciate the, like, I don't know, the the care and subtlety that goes into writing him. Because he could have very easily just been, like, this kind of evil, yeah, so say they, <laughs> looming they turn, critic. They turn him into a really touching character. Exactly, because yeah. Because at the end of the day, he is a character who appreciates art. He had just gotten... Exactly. He had gotten into too much into his, uh, his ego. Whoa. It's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. It's a movie all about ego, really. <laughs> Remy's ego. Yeah. Ego's ego. <laughs> Ego's ego. Uh, Linguini's Skinner's ego. ego. <laughs> a lot of ego flying around. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it really interestingly like connects, especially not only to kind of a lot of the a lot of the subtext that the movie has to say about movies as an art form, mm-hmm. um, but also really interestingly to Remy's character himself, because I don't I don't feel like we get like a lot of protagonists like Remy. Because um, he's yeah. kind of a jerk. No, he for is a lot of the movie. He's kind of a major jerk for most of the movie because <laughs> he's got such a big ego um, about about the art that he is especially good at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it just it ties ties him down in a really interesting way to have a critic like ego, and to to end up making a dish like he does for ego. Um, yeah, I was about to say. Uh, Remy's artistic revelation and personal revelation, like, directly influences Ego's revelation, which is quite nice. I like it. <laughs> it's a good screenplay. Who would have thought it's it? A, a, a darn good family food, <laughs> Remy. Exactly. And maybe it makes for a darn good family film. Wow. Maybe food is just some kind of allegory for film in this movie. <laughs> I mean, you could argue it's just an allegory for all arts. I, I know. I was but... just making it because the family <laughs> food and the family It's film. true. It's true. <laughs> Man, what a great film. Right? <laughs> like, it, I, don't, I don't understand how you would write something like this because it's not even that conventional of a plot structure either it's actually kind of unconventional in a lot of ways especially for a kid's movie i mean it follows pretty basic beats it does but that the thing is like you go from remy with his family and you like i don't know the inciting the inciting incident a, a, a younger is. audience would probably assume that like he's going to spend the whole movie trying to get back to his family um but then like it kind of moves on from there they come back later um you have remy uh, being chased around the kitchen, like you think, I I don't know what you would think, but like, it, it's it's a very not scattered, but it's, it it's a very not it subverts child expectations. It's, it's, okay, it subverts a lot of the expectations placed on animated films because it's it's not a super like it's not a conventional animated yeah, yeah it's not structure. a conventional structure for a I don't film think, like I don't this. think Brad Bird's ever done it. I don't think anybody's accused him of doing a <laughs> conventional structure for the Iron Giant movie. the Iron Giant kind of is well um, that's true but that was like his first film yeah I was about to say which it works for that obviously um but yeah even something like The Incredibles takes a very unconventional structuring and plotting uh like method to most animated features out there you know what's kind of funny 
Hmm. Is this is Brad Bird's like least, like her most <laughs> subtle film, and somehow it's so not subtle, <laughs> right? I was about to say, Mike, it has a guy named Ego. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think the reason this feels like his least subtle is it's probably his least political. <laughs> least political. That's true. Because this one, he's talking about art. He's not talking about politics. Yeah, so it or comes anything. off as slightly more subtle than how the rest of his movies. Oh man, he's not a very subtle filmmaker. He's not. Which you know good <laughs> that's what i say that's what happens when you work in the in the simpsons for your whole career that's beforehand <laughs> shout out to brad bird's work on the simpsons good stuff <laughs> um i'm trying to think about i'm trying to think about what do you what do you think of of linguini as a character linguini he's he's kind of an odd co-protagonist linguini just like me for real <laughs> talentless and uh loveless for a majority of Dave. the movie day <laughs> he's got talent remy. no he just does not just not anything compared to to the true talent remy compared to a literal rat anyone can cook remy anyone can cook it's true it's but only true. but only few can be great um, yeah uh linguini is a really fun like co-protagonist i don't know you know hold that thought <laughs> It's really kind of interesting and a little troublesome to think about because Brad Bird's one of my favorite directors, <laughs> but like ninety percent of his films come down to like there are those born better than you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is an interesting take with a lot of baggage behind it. Yeah, no, it's it's always an interesting thing because it does come up uh, in a, most of his movies. <laughs> um, it's it's very strange. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if. I mean the only the only one that the only one that does, doesn't really is like uh, the Iron Giant, which technically takes the opposite message. Yeah, of right? you're not what you're. You don't have to be what you're born to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. It's a very strange motif throughout his work, um, and yeah. I'm not sure what it means. Go on about Linguini. <laughs> uh, Linguini. He's a cool co-lead. He's basically. I mean, like obviously, he's a very like opposite like foil to remy in most ways because he has no he has no remy. ego my guy's got so no crazy. he's got no confidence but he also has no talent it's a talentless <laughs> hack talentless hack <laughs> controlled by a rat and like that's why i was saying he's just like me <laughs> um but yeah i don't know linguini always has struck me as a very fun character to watch no, he's, a really he's got he's got a lot of really like fun antics in this movie he's a really fun like character to work with remy mm -hmm. i was about to say if you were to pair anyone up with remy it had to be linguini you know he's, it had to be someone like linguini. he's really goofy and like his <laughs> his personality kind of like contrasts remy his his little really arc of slowly becoming more confident and, and like, more and more like like good in the kitchen exactly, he actually yeah. becomes a decent chef by the beginning by the end of the movie he's got such a touching arc in this movie which you know he's kind of like in the background for a lot of the finale um <laughs> and it's really sweet i don't know he's, he's always been one of my favorite characters in this yeah no he like i said he's such a he's such an interesting character and that's that's what's i would say unique for this as a kids movie quote mm -hmm. unquote um is the way it kind of uses its characters is so much different than a lot of movies that kids would be used to see yeah yeah because remy 
Remy is, you know, he's 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 got a, like very prevalent problems that need to be worked out right. from the movie, and Linguini is like a fun side character, <laughs> but kind of the main, like one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't really have anything to do by the finale, <laughs> right. and like you know, you have all of these different pieces, and then Ego, who's not in much of the movie, comes in and he plays a big role. So like the characters are used in a very unique and interesting way it's for this very, kind of movie. It's a very naturalistic and practical way of screenwriting. Yeah, that you don't usually see. Like it usually focuses focuses like very specifically on getting one character through this set structure and then all the other characters just kind of serve that um but this is is it's a nice departure from that yeah it's really it's really neat <laughs> I, I love this i movie. was about to say the character always directly influences what should happen next in the plot yeah, you ever think about the lighting in this movie oh, that's beautiful I, we, we 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 can go on about Toy Story 4 looking amazing, but like honestly, this probably has more no, dynamic no, no, lighting. No. You, you are, see, Toy Story 4 is like, what if it actually looked real? Wouldn't that be crazy? No. I mean, it's a well lit film too, but yeah, it, it's whatever, no Ratatouille. Whatever. It's not Ratatouille. It's not Ratatouille. That's... Pixar needs to. Needs to Man, I hope they learn. They learn. I don't know. They they had Luca. They had Luca and Turning Red, which are both yes. more anim- animation stylized, because they were they were on a straight shot oh, to gosh. just like photorealism. Photorealism, which is Michael Lightyear came out right in between those, right? Or yes. maybe it was after Turning Red. I don't. Remember. I think it was. I think it was. Maybe it was after. I don't know. Anyway. but yeah they were on a straight shot to photorealism with like toy story 4 which at that point just you're just making avatar (laughs) with with less steps i guess but uh (laughs) they need to they need to learn that animation is not just emulating real life i was about to say there's so many cool things Uh, i mean obviously this is an example of a movie that you could really only do in (laughs) animation um given its main character and everything if it's in live dude I'm, I just live action remake. I just pictured like a an '80s or '90s film that does this premise. That'd be so cool. <laughs> With like a That'd little so animatronic fun. rat. That would be like like a That'd you be get so like funny. you like, get like Henson Company to do like a little <laughs> puppet rat. Oh my gosh! Because think about like the what is it, the '80s witches. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Those little mice. Those are adorable. That like so that would be funny. amazing if you got Remy to be one of those. Okay, there there we go. I take it all back. You could do it in live action, but, but it would wanted, be a very different I would, vibe. I would want it to be like really grungy uh-huh. and like you know, kind of like that '80s comedy vibe. Ah, uh, that would be so good. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat. <laughs> It would be completely different. It would be an absolutely different movie. I doubt it would even have anything to say about art. No, no, no. This would just be a stupid 80s comedy. Dude, it could be be a buddy comedy with with Linguini and Remy. (laughs) And all of their social antics. It doesn't even have anything to do with cooking. There you go. We pitched a movie. Some (laughs) 80s director would make that. Get Joe Dante on there. He can do it. I know he can. Joe Dante, what will he do? What will he do? Uh, but yeah, Ratatouille. Very yeah, good. Do film. you have another question? Um, I, I don't really think so. I mean, do, do you have something else you wanted to bring up? No more questions. There, that's a question. Why could you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Wow. <laughs> very dynamic question. I don't know. I mean, I like I, I think about this movie, and it's a very simple movie it's and a, actual like story structure. Yeah. But man, like every scene is fantastic. Like it I really literally is. can think through almost every. I've seen this movie like a million times. Um, I can think through like almost every scene in my mind, and just like there isn't a bad one. There is not a bad scene in this. <laughs> there are so many good bits. 
There are so many really fun are. things. You got the stuff. The, the, you got a meal. We have, nobody's meal. even talked about a meal. The meal's fantastic. Or, or what's the dad's Django. name? Django. <laughs> Django and a meal. They're really fun characters. Um, you've got all the stuff with like imaginary gusto. <laughs> like that's really fun and like like and like a unique thing. Like you know, like, what's oh, yeah. up with imaginary gusto? Imaginary gusto. <laughs> that's a great. Um, that's a great bit. That's a great thing. Well, it also has character relevance. Well, I know. I'm not saying like, oh, it's <laughs> it's purely great just because it's funny. I'm saying it's a great uh, part of the screenplay. Like, like, there are a lot of like moving pieces during this, and it and yes. it blends together, paired with some of like the best filmmaking that you'll see from Pixar. Honestly, absolutely, man. To to, to be just one of like their most like solid films. You yeah, know, like uh, honestly, honestly, one of my biggest complaints with a lot of Pixar movies is that they just kind of feel like, especially later Pixar, they just kind of feel like fluff. They don't really feel like films, oftentimes. Well, they don't have a lot of like tangible things to them, which they, is strange. They follow a lot of the, the the beats that Pixar movies are supposed to hit with yeah. some fluff about whatever their world is supposed to be. No. Um, but this movie not only has really fantastic world building in how it goes about introducing you to the rats and to the cooking world, mm-hmm. but it uses its character, like each one of its main characters, in such a unique way to progress Remy as a character, each one kind of bringing their own ideas, whether it's like imaginary Gusteau or Skinner or Colette or Linguini or Ego, they all challenge Remy's ideas and ideals in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah. Um, Man, I, you just said Skinner's name again, and I was like, oh, I love Skinner so much. Like, literally, think about Such that. Such a great Think about character. that, though, Remy. Literally, every single one of the characters essentially brings some new idea that challenges Remy's worldview. Well, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it kind of builds to, again, the culmination of him letting go of his ego. I was about to say, that's why the conflict between all of the different characters is so interesting. Like, all of the time. <laughs> Which is in- insanely impressive from a screenwriting perspective. Um, the fact that Skinner and Remy have the- <laughs> have this, like, duel of fates thing <laughs> going on, it's it's great. It's, a- it's an amazing... I don't know, it's just an amazingly, like, well-crafted movie. I don't know how you would write something like this. Yeah, I don't know, man. Let but... alone direct it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then, it- and then it's just directed so well, and... And it's shot so well, and it looks so good. Micah, it has, like, I would argue, probably the best Pixar score. And it and it's got a fantastic <laughs> score, and it came out just in the right time, I think, when Pixar was still doing, like, cool stuff with their animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't look bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's early enough that, like, it's still in, like, a little bit more of their unique era of animation. Yeah. Uh, but it, it doesn't look nearly as dated as something like The Incredibles does. Or, or Monsters, Inc. Or Monsters, Inc., yeah. yeah both of those look, true. Toy Story, like, oh, well, Toy Story was their first <laughs> one. But, like, a lot of their early ones do look a little dated now. Yeah. Bucks Life. Ratatouille, like Ratatouille, the, um, the fur isn't quite up to snuff nowadays. But, need, honestly, I think fur. that's for the best. Right. I am glad with the fur they have. I don't want stupid, weird... I don't want, like, hyper-real... Turning red-style fur. 4K Ultra HD rat fur on my screen please <laughs> uh, uh but, but yeah. yeah 
Wow, what did I look at that? I believe said, it. But yeah, we're, we're in sync, time. Micah. <laughs> That's so crazy. Uh, yeah, Ratatouille, one of the one of the best animated movies of all time. Maybe the maybe maybe nah, not the mm, best. Animated, not the best, but one of the, the one of my favorite of animated best. movies of all time. Um, I was about to say there's so be many good animated claim. movies. That'd be a bold claim, my man. There are so many animated <laughs> features out there. Um, but Ooh. yeah. That's that's Ratatouille. That's Ratatouille. It's it's fantastic. And like I said, I thought it would be an interesting film to cover since, I mean, we, we grew up watching it, um, and it's obviously a favorite of ours, uh, specifically Micah's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did a, it's a great I did, film. I did, I did my first video essay ever on uh, on Ratatouille. Yeah, you can check that out no, um, in the description don't, if you want don't to. Don't do that. Don't I, put it in the description. No, I won't link it directly. His YouTube channel is in it's, the description. It's a bad video, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great or anything, but... <laughs> People need to stop. It, it really bothered me because, like, I started, like, putting out better video essays, ones that I was more proud of. Yeah. And then people were, like, still watching the Ratatouille one more than anything. Like and a, I was like, you no. gotta understand, the Ratatouille video essay market is a very uh in demand thing hmm? <laughs> people love people love remy people love the rat <laughs> well that was that was my very first video essay so it is not very nice you know <laughs> not you know go. <laughs> but go check out my youtube channel yeah. um and go again go watch ratatouille if you haven't seen it in a couple years go revisit it um try and look for more of its commentary on art try and soak in more of the character writing if you haven't before because oh, you know there's there's one more thing we could <laughs> what talk is it about. what is it micah any of you guys any of you <laughs> listeners out there ever ever been to florida ever been to florida. and when you're when you were in florida <laughs> did you ever hang out in the orlando yes oh and when you were gosh. in orlando I just realized what you're talking about. did you ever go a little bit over <laughs> to this little little place called disney and while you were at disney <laughs> did oh you ever gosh. go to this little park known as epcot i did and while you were at epcot <laughs> did you ever go to the country of perry i did specifically france uh <laughs> and when you went to france and epcot did you ever go onto the ratatouille ride barely <laughs> uh so yeah i want to tell the story of this so we were we were we just went to disney not that long ago yeah um and they just opened up the ratatouille ride ratatouille's uh, culinary adventure like, something like yeah, that it's, it's remy's remy's something, something. Uh, anyway <laughs> but we're, we go there and i'm like yes this is like my favorite movie. We got to We got to go. We got to ride this ride. It's yes. new. It's cool. I want to go ride this ride. Uh, but the line um, when we got into there was like two hours. Maybe maybe it was a long line. Um, and Very we were long. like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait a little bit. We'll wait it out. And then like a little bit later, it was down to like an hour and twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. And me, Ravi, and Haley were like, you know what? Let's just go for it. Uh, so we go in and we wait in the line, and it's a long line. We long wait. Line. We it's wait an hour and twenty minutes. We wait probably a good like forty <laughs> minutes outside, mm -hmm. like before we a even little, get in. Little outdoor queue. And with the outdoor queue because of the overflow. Mm -hmm. And then we get inside, and it's a really really cool line. Oh, like there's great. such the there's so many cool detail. So I cool. love I love it so much. You're like rat size. You get going to see through. the skyline. I was of, about to say going Paris. through different. So, sections of paris so cool and they do such cool things with the anyway we're in line and then like we've already waited like an hour 
and then the line just stops moving for a while <laughs> and, and then for a long time and then people are like getting like kind of antsy and then it finally is said over the intercom thing that the ride is broken down um so we're sitting there for a while and they're like we don't know how long it'll take to be done and this is like the only day we have an epcot yep. and like the time is ticking away time is ticking and Haley had never been to epcot <laughs> and i was like oh no so we ended up leaving the line we ended up leaving the line after well, probably waiting about two hours yeah probably um, roughly we ended up leaving the line going and do some other things <laughs> and we checked the app and like it's clo- like the ride is closed yeah, for a long closed, time yeah and then uh, quite a bit later in the day it opens back <laughs> up and we book back over there and yeah, we wait man. like probably another hour we probably more than that we waited probably over three hours <laughs> to get onto this stupid ride but it was such a freaking cool ride i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a stupid ride i thought it was a fun ride <laughs> well, i i said stupid ride is just because it took so long to get on yeah, yeah. um but man the theming of it and the technology they used on the ride you 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 ride on the, the backs of little rats as That's they true. as they run through the kitchen <laughs> and it's so cool dude that that ride would have terrified me as a child it's such a cool like, ride you're you're crawling like under cabinets and stuff and like shelves and there's like these little rat eyes that peek out from behind but the dude, boards the, perspe- and I'm like, the perspective and stuff the technology <laughs> no, it's they so got cool. it's so cool. literally literally because they use like a blend of like screens and projections uh-huh. and different actual massive sized props. Dude. Like one time I literally thought like like literally that was one of sitting, the in, the, moments sitting in the cart and I swore that we were that, that was a screen in front of us. Like it just looked like a screen and then we drive through it. We drove right through it, bro. And it was, I was like, what? Like it sh- it shatters and you drive just boom, just it's so crazy, man. I don't, I, anyway, that's a little side tangent, but just Go if you're ride ever, the if you're ever in the in Florida Epcot. area, <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, I would I would suggest paying to go to to Epcot. Yeah, absolutely, oh. that's a great ride. <laughs> For any any of the Ratatouille lovers out there, yeah, that was that was that was really cool. And I also sold a bunch of little Ratatouille like merch things. I got a little pen that my yeah. girlfriend brought for, bought for me. <laughs> there were these little like magnetic rats that you could get to sit on your shoulder. I wish I could have gotten one of those. Those were, but they were. I, I wasn't going to spend the money. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, such such a cool thing. Uh, apparently, the Ratatouille Renaissance, the Ratatouille-sance, if you will. The Ratatouille-sance? The Ratatouille-sance has been uh, ignited further by the uh, addition of the Ratatouille ride. It's a great ride. It's a great ride. Uh, but yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's, that's, well, that, that's all of our thoughts. That's all our thoughts on, on Ratatouille. Ratatouille. It's a frickin' masterpiece. It's a great movie. I wanted to start off season five with, with a great movie, and we did, Micah. There you go. Can you believe it? <laughs> go check it out sometimes, guys. Absolutely. Uh, let's get into our What We Watched segment. So for those of you who are either new to the podcast or have never made it this far, I mean, it's a new season. It's a new season. It's a new season. Uh, we do this little segment at the end called What We Watched segment where we talk about, guess what, what we watched since our last we episode. We talk about what we watched. We talk about all those little movies we logged on Letterboxd. We recently logged uh, on Letterboxd. <laughs> in between episodes. <laughs> uh, just giving some quick thoughts and ratings. Yes. Uh, this time we're going from the 10th, which from is when we put out January our... January 10th. January 10th. When we put out our last episode. Yes. Um, 
So, Robbie, what did you, what did you watch on the tent? I watched a little film called The Manx Man, which is a, a silent uh, Alfred Hitchcock directed film. I know him. He's he's the Manx Man. It's about a fisherman and a lawyer who grew up as uh, you know like best buds, and then they fall in love with the same woman. Like, uh, it's a always, classic classic premise, and always hurts a friendship. <laughs> um, you know, it was actually um, one of the more solid entries in the silent era of Hitchcock. Um, I'm a big Alfred Hitchcock fan for those unaware. Um, and this was really fun. I really enjoyed um, Carl Brisson in this. He's, Carl. He gives a great performance. Um, and it's just a fun, it's a fun story. I liked it. Neat. Um, yeah, I give it a four out of five. Uh, well, on the 10th, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the first time. <laughs> Probably a bit uh, better. <laughs> very, very good, but I'll talk about that later. Whoa. Dun, crazy. Dun, dun. All right. Uh, <laughs> on the 11th, I watched a little no, film. I wasn't done. I you also, have more on the 10th? Also on the 10th, oh I watched uh, Shrek 2. Um, Just watching movies, I guess. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Which is a fantastic little film. Uh, Shrek 2, It's yeah. just fun. It's goofy. We We've talked about it before. It. We did yeah. an episode on it. It's such a good movie. It's a great film. Uh, I gave it a 5 out of 5. I also gave Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a 5 out of 5. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. I, I said you watched a bunch of films. I watched four different films on the 11th. Uh, wow. First one was Blackmail, another Hitchcock film. Uh, I believe this is still silent. It might be the. It might be an in. No, okay. You don't remember? I don't remember, dude. Bla oh, no, Blackmail was the first film he did with sound, um, and it's not good. <laughs> uh, I gave it a three out of five. It's not, like, terrible, um, but it's, like, I don't know. It's very dry. It's a very dry movie, <laughs> and I was, not, I was not loving it. But, yeah, I gave it a three out of five. Um, and then I watched Juno and the Paycock, which is probably Hitchcock's worst movie. <laughs> um, it's another one that he did with sound. It's an adaptation of a stage play. You can definitely tell. Uh, and it's not good. It's very boring, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I give it a two out of five, which uh, a very rare, like, negative rating for me. I don't usually watch... I, I don't think that many bad movies. Robbie, okay, so Robbie has been in an interesting <laughs> era lately where he just gives everything good ratings. Like, I'm watching good stuff. No, 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 it doesn't matter. He, I don't think I've seen him give something lower than a four in forever. I just gave Juno and the Peacock a two. I know, I know, but I don't think I've seen you outside of those give something a four a less than a four in forever. <laughs> It'll be like the most mid-movie and Robbie's like, ah, oh, but it's a four-star movie. Wow. Well, I happened to watch another not four-star movie on the 11th, like, uh, called The Skin Game, another uh, Hitchcock film, uh, uh, pretty much uh, right after his transition to sound, um, so it's a little later on uh, than something like Blackmail, but it was pretty good. I don't know. It wasn't great, again, uh, but it was. It, the drama was more interesting than something like Juno and the Peacock, so I enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it a three out of five. That's so crazy. Um, on the 11th, uh, I watched uh, Django Unchained. Django Unchained. Uh, which, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, was my first Tarantino movie. Yep. And it interested me enough to go check out a second Tarantino movie. Isn't that so crazy? Um, <laughs> and Django Unchained was really, really good. Um, I really liked the direction. I thought it was a really good blend of like the more goofy elements of Tarantino with the kind of more serious story. Um, Jamie Foxx is giving just such a such a good performance. Christopher Waltz is really fun. Um, the action's really, really good. The pacing is surprisingly good for what it's doing. And yeah, it's a really it's a really great movie. <laughs> great film, Micah um, says. 
Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's, fa- it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And Jamie Foxx gives like one of my favorite performances I've seen. Oh, cool. Uh, I gave it a four and a half. Dang. Um, that night, we watched uh, a little thing called John Mulaney, uh, Kid Gorgeous at Radio City. Yes, which is a, which is a very, very good comedy special. Uh, very, very iconic and, uh, I think, uh, generation-defining comedy special. Right. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows. I was about to say, gorgeous. if you mentioned one of the Kid Gorgeous bits, I hadn't even seen it before this, and I knew most of them. <laughs> Yeah, it's no. a great, it's a great special. It's really good. It's not. I, I still, don't, I still will claim that New in Town is a little better. But it's so Kid, it would be so close. But Kid Gorgeous <laughs> is genuinely fantastic. Kid Gorgeous, I think I like, uh, like my favorite John Mulaney bit is probably somewhere in Kid Gorgeous. Yeah, but like I think probably yeah, New in Town is probably a bit more consistently funny. So because again, again, Ruby, the bit and binder thing, you don't get the better bit and than binder. that. That's, That's a great probably bit, like man. the best thing from John Mulaney, dude. <laughs> Um, yeah, I gave it a five out of five. I loved it. <laughs> then on the twelfth, what on the did 12th, you watch? I watched another Hitchcock film. Oh I was gosh, get off Hitchcock. Okay, <laughs> I had I had this Hitchcock box set, and I was about to give it away. Um, so I was watching the stuff that I hadn't seen from it yet, uh, and I think this was the last film in there. Uh, it's called Secret Agent. It's another uh, one of his sound pictures, which I suppose most of them are like generally speaking he did more after the transition to sound um but yeah secret agent it's about secret agents um, wait until he gets the transition to color Rebbe. micah there's a really cool oh man vertigo <laughs> gotta watch vertigo uh it's um it's a really fun movie it's got some fun like spy goofiness to it which is is fun you know it's well shot it's got some good direction some fun dialogue um there's a cool dachshund in there that gets loose in a casino <laughs> and it's really awesome <laughs> but then, other than that it, it had some it has some very regressive uh gender politics in it go figure uh it's a 30s movie <laughs> um and oh my goodness there's this like uh, they basically have peter Lorre doing like brown face in this which is very concerning <laughs> um but yeah was, other than those two things i liked a lot of things about this movie um i ended up giving it a four out of five apparently this is a very complex movie was going on but might as well do a whole episode on it okay secret agent is a very complicated <laughs> movie because it's very well directed it's got a fun screenplay but it also is kind of boring and really regressive so it's strange <laughs> it's a strange movie but i liked it uh, then also on the 12th uh i, I rewatched the witch and the witch. showed it to robbie uh, yeah. Robert Eggers, The Witch. Unfortunately, not a Suspiria spinoff, uh, but this is good, too, <laughs> <What? I suppose. laughs> Um still, It still didn't fully work for me. I was hoping on a rewatch it would come together even more, but it, like, it, it's still really fantastic, obviously, but I still just don't get that much emotionally out of the story. I think maybe your taste should come together a little bit more, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Robbie, your taste should come together a little bit more on The Northman. <laughs> This um, is not better than the Northman. The Witch is a really like one of the best horror movies I've seen probably in recent years. Is it really a horror movie? It is. is I it? would argue it is. It's like a thriller. It's okay. Well, it's like it's like a thriller. Let, let's see what Letterboxd says. A little says. farm thriller. says mystery, horror, fantasy. Ruby, they drama. throw horror on everything. Literally, you could go to <laughs> horror and there's like Chuck E. Cheese or something. <laughs> go like to that. Ratatouille. <laughs> it's listed <laughs> under horror. 
There wouldn't be too like far a off. quiet place horror. The menu. Well, horror. quiet place obviously isn't horror. <laughs> um, but yeah, The Witch. I really enjoyed Train it. Train to Busan. Um, it's very well directed. I loved bodies, um, bodies, bodies. In that okay, okay. There, <laughs> I loved how it was written. I loved how it was shot. I loved how it was directed. I'm incredibly shocked that actors this young gave this kind of performances. There are some fantastic. Um, I loved the use of imagery that this has. I love how scary it was. Anya Taylor-Joy's performance, fantastic. I loved the atmosphere. I, I loved just about everything about this movie. No, it's, a, it's a great movie. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The um, lighting especially. It's yeah, an insane, lighting, it's an oh, insane uh, debut film, for sure. Yeah, this is a debut, dude. Isn't that crazy? I think that's crazy. <laughs> um, I gave it a 5 out of 5. I adored it. thought it was great. <laughs> I gave it a 4 out of 5. I think it's pretty great. But it just doesn't fully... I don't know. It could have been better. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, um, you watched a, co- a couple more things. Yeah. Uh, on the 13th, I watched 8th Grade. 8th um, Grade. Bo Burnham. Uh, I had Bo Burnham. I <laughs> bought the movie a while ago, and I had never really checked it out. And then uh, I, my mom was like, hey, you want to turn on a movie? And it was like midnight, so we wanted <laughs> to turn on something not too long. And this wasn't too long, so we turned on 8th Grade. Turn on 8th Grade. Uh, Mike is like, let's turn on a movie with my mom. And it was 8th Grade. <laughs> And it was really, really fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, she wanted to see it. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, that's what I was waiting on to watch it. Um, she said she wanted to watch it. So I, I was see. Like, okay. I see. Um, but it was really, really fantastic. I didn't know what to expect. But man, the performances are really good. And just the writing really, like, like the movie just really, really in an empathetic way understands what it's like to be in middle school. <laughs> Which is not a pleasant experience. Not, a, not usually a pleasant experience. <laughs> um, but it's really empathetic and it's really sweet and it's funny and uh, it's very well directed. I got super emotional from it. Bo Burnham directed a funny movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also got me like anxious, which very, very, very few movies have ever done, which I think is a, is a, is a big feat. Um, especially being that it's about a character with anxiety. There you go. Uh, so I, like, I don't know. I think it, it's pretty darn fantastic and really, really sweet towards what it's doing. Well, there you go. Um, and I gave it a five out of five. I can't wait to see it. I, I'm really honestly pretty shocked that you gave it a five. I don't know. I'd heard, I'd heard like good stuff about it, obviously. Um, and I mean, it has a 3.8 average. I was about to say, several of my friends have given it five. Hey, I mean, I more power to them. I, I want to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Then next on the 14th, uh, I watched Kill Bill Kill volume Bill. one. Volume one. Um, Another again, I was uh, I was just I was like, oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is good. And Django was like, it was good. Maybe maybe Kill Bill will be good. Um, and you know, Kill Bill was good, uh, but it wasn't like as good. <laughs> Kill just, Bill was. Good. I did not really like. I was nowhere near as big of a fan of it as Django or Hollywood. Um, I think it it's it's too much of a like a volume one like i really think the story <laughs> is kind of unsatisfying on its own hmm. and there's not really a whole lot to grab onto like character wise that got me that invested in like literally because 90 percent of the runtime is just the bride killing people and just mm. succeeding like it's literally <laughs> just just killing people um, which you know is fine and that's like it's fun action don't get me wrong it's still really well directed and the performances are really good i didn't know i, I didn't know if i would like uh, uma thurman and i actually really liked her in this a lot nice um but like it's just an odd movie and like not very satisfying to get to the end of 
it really makes me want to watch volume two though i'm sure i would probably <laughs> like this better once i watched volume two well there you but, go like the actual technical qualities of it are still pretty good i just think the writing is definitely the weakest out of those three that i had watched i give it a four out of five very nice the the tarantino saga continues <laughs> uh after that uh on the 15th we watched uh, a little film called tar you might have heard of it we didn't we didn't mention it in our uh year wrapped thing for 2022 because we hadn't seen it yet we seen but it. now we've seen it lydia tar lydia tar the greatest character in fiction yeah probably <laughs> um kate blanchett kate blanchett kate blanchett uh but no uh, i was really excited for tar i'm a, I'm a really big kate blanchett fan i um, am too now i man. really love i really love uh, movies about classical music oftentimes and this also just looked really sick it is really sick. um and it was really really fantastic <laughs> Lydia Tarr is such a freaking interesting and fun character. Lydia Tarr is real, Mike. <laughs> the direction is really fun. It's such yes. an interesting and like contemplative character study. It really is. Um, it's I was so surprised at how like much it takes its time and it's like so I don't know, it's it's a very meditative movie. And uh, Lydia Tarr is just such a captivating character here. It does, it, I don't think it's a perfect film. I think there are some. I think there are some <laughs> things where the pacing doesn't fully work because, like, it's a slow movie. Obviously. It's a very and I don't, and I don't movie, care yeah. about it being a slow movie. But there were times that I felt a little disconnected from what it was trying to do. Interesting. Um, so it's not perfect, but man, like, like Kate Blanchett as as Lydia Tarr <laughs> is honestly, like, genuinely, I know everybody makes jokes about it because again, really fantastic characters are easy to make jokes. They're, I was about to say easy to mock. Um, but Lydia Tarr is literally one of the most interesting characters I've seen put to screen in a long time. I could watch so much of her. Of like, I want to know what happens next. I want Tarr too. I was about to say Kate Blanchett is going like full Daniel Day Lewis here and just like delivering one of the most like captivating things I've seen on a screen recently. Yeah, like you literally just don't want to look away from what she's doing. Oh and man. Like like I put it like I put it in that tweet. It's it's so much more fun watching vaguely evil women than it is vaguely evil men. <laughs> it's true. Um, I I, I do want to shout out the editing in this too, which was very good. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean making making movies about music is like a cheat code, I think, uh, to making a good movie. So. Origi originally, originally I was going to I was like I, I had in mind I was like oh, I'll be able to put my she did nothing wrong she kind of review, wrong. but then the movie goes on and I'm like oh no, oh no she did lots <laughs> she of things did lots of things wrong. I can't use that. Uh, uh, but yeah. It's a very good movie. I very give it a cool four. Movie. I give it a four and a half out of five. I give it a five, dude. I I adored this. I thought it was great. I loved the atmosphere. It was, it's a great movie. Uh, Gotta love it. <laughs> then on the fifteenth, fifteenth, uh, I watched Curious George. <laughs> It was the first time I had watched it in, like, a long time. Um, and my girlfriend wanted to show it to me. Yeah. And you know what? It's a darn fun movie. Certified it, uh, baby classic. Its animation is kind of cheap <laughs> looking, which makes me a little sad. Aww. Um But it's really, it's really fun and inventive for what they're doing it with. It's a weird as heck, like, <laughs> vocal cast. Like, That's seriously. funny. I really want to watch uh -oh. it again. <laughs> I'm excited. It's got Frank Welker in it. Oh. Oh, he cool. voices George. Nice. Um, he shout can out do it. To, shout out to Frank Welker. Shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, it's just cute. It's fun. There's not much to it. It's pretty funny. Cool. Um, 
but you know it's it's a good movie i gave it a three and a half <laughs> very nice very nice um and later that day the 15th we we watched uh boots riley time film. to put away your baby movies <laughs> put away watched, the, sorry to bother sorry you. to bother you a real movie a for real, real people <laughs> uh, destiny is calling micah destiny is calling sorry uh, sorry to bother you sorry, picture <laughs> sorry to bother you. oh my goodness man this this is one of my favorite films probably ever um and it's it's just such it, it's such a joy to watch it's such an interesting it's film. a joyful it's movie. such a weird film i have such weird thoughts <laughs> on this film really what makes this film work so much for me is that you really feel the passion and love behind like everybody like mm-hmm. everybody this feels like such a passion project by everyone involved absolutely and it comes through to give this movie such a solid energy that i just simply do not think it would work if it didn't have it's, that energy. it's an undeniable energy from sorry to bother you because I, it's I undeniable think, i think the screenplay is is a little clunky it is i think it i think it it's satire doesn't fully work in every way not in um, every way but it's pretty good for what it is <laughs> but i think it's really such an inventive and creative film matched with just just fantastic performances really creative direction good editing good lighting really fun ideas from the production crew (laughs) like i I don't know it's just it's a very neat film a good tessa thompson role very funny good tessa thompson i'm surprised i don't know i i there's nothing nothing against tessa thompson but i'm usually very bored with her other roles stanfield she's amazing keith stanfield leading a movie leading a movie he needs to lead every movie <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why like i think this is the only movie i've seen him as the lead as of. the lead probably I yeah i was about to say i don't even think he's the lead no daniel kaluuya is yeah, the lead in judas, judas and, and the black messiah yeah, yeah. where's his where's his second lead i need him to to lead more films yes my goodness he he's, was he's he was, one of the best actors he was out underused there right now, in man. uncut gems he was underused in get out he's one he of was the best things about uncut gems, man. <laughs> man i love that guy He's so good. Yeah, but yeah, Boots Riley has a new show that he's working on, and I'm very excited about it because Sorry to Bother You is <laughs> one of my favorite movies. But uh, I give it a four and a half. I give it a five, dude. It's, 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 like I said, it's just, it's a movie that I get so much joy watching, and it's, it's got such a fun flavor of creativity to it. I love it. Sorry to Bother You. Great film. Uh, then on the 15th, Again, this is this is another one I was referring to that Ravi has a hard time giving movies what? lower than four stars. Okay, this is a this great is not movie. a four star movie, movie, but we watched Paul Thomas Anderson's Hard Eight, his first feature film. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, his debut feature. His yeah. debut feature film, and it is pretty okay. I would say it's, it's pretty great. Overly long, not that well written, <laughs> but at least it's it's got his it's got like it's got good stuff behind i was about to say it's very amateurish in a lot of ways and it's obviously underwritten yeah it's Um, very underwritten but i still think it's fun and i really loved uh philip baker hall now philip baker Hall carries this movie on his back but the pacing is kind of wonky the writing is is kind of wonky wonky. writing is wonky (laughs) the direction isn't even fully there i don't think the cinematography is is as good as it could be okay the score isn't as good as it. stay away from robert ellswit micah he's great he does good work it is a fun movie it is a fun and pretty (laughs) decent like debut film you can feel a lot of the things that would grow to become powerful director paul thomas anderson yes but this is not that powerful of a film and i did not get that much out of it there's a lot of really good like scenes, scenes. yes they're yeah, good like individual separate scenes. scenes yeah the, the, it doesn't it doesn't 
gel as well as I want it to. All of all movie. of the conflicts with Samuel L. Jackson at the end are very very cool, mm-hmm. and it, it's almost like the movie should have just had more to do with Sydney and less to do with. Yeah, I think Clementine. It, I think it dedicates too much time to John and Clementine. Uh, obviously, I think that's like its biggest problem. Yeah, it needs to. It needs to be. It needs to be Sydney. I was about to say. I want. He's I want the, the conflict to be thing. more about Sydney. Well, um, that's the thing. There isn't much conflict for most of the movie. It just mm. kind of meanders around, and then there's a weird conflict, and they're like, "Oh, you killed his dad," and it's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> okay." <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I I thought it was pretty great in spite of all of its problems, which it very obviously has. Um, yeah, I don't know. I gave it a three out of five. It is a good movie, but it is not a great movie, Ravi. I don't know what I mean, you're I would giving it a four out of five. I, I give it a four. I, don't know. I, I, I don't, really enjoyed I, it. How, Ravi? <laughs> I don't know. I, I had fun watching it. I, I thought it, it's technical craft, the editing, the cinematography, the lighting, especially um, the production design. It was all there. Still it's very, just lacking a little in other departments. And, you know, idea. important stuff like writing and direction <laughs> listen, and substance. <laughs> listen, Sydney is enough substance to carry the movie in my eyes. Oh my gosh. In uh, my anyway, eyes. <laughs> on the 16th, I watched uh, Death Proof. Death Proof. Continuing my Tarantino Mike's, spiel. Mike has now seen like half of Tarantino's <laughs> filmography or something. I actually have, I think. <laughs> like I've seen like a good like... A little less than half, I think. That's crazy. Um, it's only been like a week, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I watched Death Proof, um, which was a very odd film. I did not know what to expect going into it. It's one of the weirder Tarantino films that I've seen. Um, yeah. I don't really. I, I wasn't really gelling with the first half of the movie that well, like because I liked the craft, but it seemed kind of meandery and also really like objectifying of all of the women in it. <laughs> Like, Yikes. not even, because, like, the whole thing is the guy is creepy, but, like, the opening shot of, like, our character is, like, her bending over in front of the camera, yeah. and I'm like, oh, wow, that's nice, <laughs> and there's, like, a lot, I don't know, there's a lot to it that I don't like, this is, like, Tarantino at his most needs to calm down, he is, like, <laughs> literally, this movie is, like, yeah, <laughs> he needed to calm down. Uh, but at the same time, the second half of the movie is genuinely really fantastic. Um, the car stuff is really, really good, and the characters are really fun to watch. And, and like, I don't know, just the, the final conflict is literally some of the best car stuff I've ever seen. I don't really like <laughs> car chases, but I was, like, just completely glued to this. It's an American tradition, and it was, <laughs> And it was just really, really fun. And I, and I liked the first half, too. There's just less that I like about it, and it's odd kind of splitting your movie so drastically into two halves. Hmm. Um, I'm very interested. I, I, was, I think Death Proof is honestly one of the most, like, anticipated films from it's Tarantino. It's only because Mary Elizabeth Weinstein. I know. Who is barely in the movie. Which I am, I am heartbroken, crestfallen, that Mary Elizabeth Weinstein is not in more of the movie. Because I was like, oh, it's one of her performances from a really acclaimed director that I hadn't seen yet. Because I even watched her Netflix movie, which was pretty good, but not, like, amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I liked it even more than I liked Kill Bill. And it was, nice. I, I genuinely think it's great. I find it so odd that this is one of the most, like, divisive of any of the Tarantino <laughs> movies I've seen. Really? Like, people are really split on either thinking this is pretty bad or really great. Interesting. Um, but I gave it a four and a half out of five. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see it. It looks, it looks interesting at the very least. <laughs> uh, and then on the uh, 16th. As well. As well. Oh, yeah, that was a dang. 
watched a lot of movies, man. <laughs> uh, we watched a little film called Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Jonathan Dim. <laughs> Ever heard of it? It was our first time I had the Criterion for a while. We finally maybe. popped that baby in. Um, and what, lo and behold, one of the most acclaimed movies I've heard of was very, very good. It's in the top 100 highest rated films on Letterboxd, Mike. It's in like the top 100 of like all of the highest rated. <laughs> like, that's not just Letterboxd. This is just genuinely a really acclaimed film. I mean, this is, it, it's a f- brilliant screenplay. It's insanely well acted. It's the cinematography is like probably all time great. It, it's yeah. This is it's this a great. Is, film. This is one of those movies that has such a classic feeling that I almost have like nothing to say. Like everything is pretty much perfect, but I, so I don't right. like have like anything. Like I'm like yeah, it's Silence of the Lambs. It's Silence of the Lambs. It's like watching Psycho. Like obviously, it's a genre defining uh, great crime movie. Like yeah. it's hard to beat it. Yeah, like literally, it's just it, like almost everything about it is fantastic in every way. It's so um, well and paced. And the performances are so it's good. So well, so like well a, paced. The structure of this and movie all the is scenes so are cool. good. And like, <laughs> what, what what can you say? It's Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you know, I had heard Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins, my boy, okay. was good. Okay, his but voice he's in this, here, his voice in this that he's doing as Hannibal <laughs> reminds me of something it really really <laughs> reminds me of something is it that adventures and odyssey character I that you're don't thinking of no i don't think so but i cannot place what his voice reminds me of but the entire movie i was like this really reminds me of somebody else's performance in something that's funny but yeah silence of the lambs it was our first time watching it five out of five five out of five jonathan dem uh best director <laughs> as well uh, as then, then also on the 16th we re i rewatched once upon a time in hollywood and showed it to robbie i, was, I saw my first tarantino film and i think it's such, i think it's such a neat film i love what it's doing it's thematically so cool. it's and cool pacing movie. wise it's story i can't believe people think this is like a nothing movie right? like it has no point when i feel like it very clearly has a point i was about to say uh, the the ending of this movie is way more cathartic than i thought it would be <laughs> And like, I think think it's really interesting what they do with like the actual story and Mm -hmm. people being like, oh, but why use an actual story? I think that very seriously ties into the fact that this was the first film uh, that he did without Weinstein or Weinstein, 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 um, which, um, you know, I think, I think that brings some very serious context to the film. Um, that makes it a very interesting contemplative ride while also just being a fun, goofy little glowing movie. Austin Butler kind of swoops in, steals the show at the end. <laughs> Austin Butler's really great. Man, like, this this might be my favorite Brad Pitt role, which is saying something, because I love Rusty. Um, yeah. But, like, honestly, this is, like, on on the same level, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's giving a fantastic performance here. Yeah, man. The, I, if this, if, if if Tarantino's other movies are anything like this, I think I'm really going to enjoy them. So, yeah, <laughs> on, it was great. On a rewatch, I still gave it a five out of five. Um, I, think I also gave. It I think it's pretty five. darn perfect. I can't. I wouldn't <laughs> change anything really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a cool example of like, you know, like true fiction that kind of thing like based on real events but this is like a really neat way of going about yeah well it makes it instead of instead of just being like oh what if we based it off of these events and then changed things yeah it makes the fact that they changed things like the point yeah that's the whole point of the the thematic point of the movie which is really cool (laughs) it's a really cool movie um but yeah that was the last thing we watched now we're, we're here um, and we, we, we were talking about Ratatouille, but now we're done talking about Ratatouille and we're gonna, we're gonna go home. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I mean, I guess we're already home. We record this at home. But, you know, whatever. Anyway, bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to season five. Yes. Um, we've been doing this for a while. And uh, almost five years. We appreciate you guys. Yes. Uh, tune in next week for something. For something else. Goodbye. Bye.